Hey, hey, welcome to Horns Up. I'm Animesh and yes, the Doom train continues its journey. This time, we're heading to Finland to talk to Lauri Laksonen. I hope I got that pronunciation right. From the band Convocation. They released an absolutely stunning album earlier this year. It's called Ashes Coalesce. It's one of the rare Doom albums that's definitely heavy, but also pretty emotional. It's perfect listening for this fuck-all monsoon season. What say you, Peter? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, you know, it it's that whole thing about the album, right? It just envelopes you uh, into that melancholic mood. And, yeah, it, it definitely leaves you feeling a little more miserable than you did <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm laughing about it, but, yeah, that's just how yeah. it is. Yeah. Now, we recorded this interview a while back, and I must say, I think it's one of the best conversations we've ever had on the show. Uh, Lauri, huge thanks to you for sharing all that you did with us. It's a lot of music talk, and we also get into Finnish culture as such, some rationale and reasons as to why Finland is a country where metal thrives. I've said enough. Here is Convocation. Hi, Lauri. How are you doing today? Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really good. Uh, thanks for having me here. Looking forward for the interview. Awesome. Now, uh, before we get into your latest album, Ashes, uh, Coalesce, can you give us a quick history about the band Convocation? How was it formed, etc.? You know, the usual stuff. Yeah, yeah. so um, I guess the formation of the band is nothing like super special. You know, the usual stuff. Uh, basically, me and uh, Marco, we met at some friend's party, probably drinking beer and listening to heavy metal music and arguing about, like, uh, what's Dark Throne's best album or something. <laughs> Super important stuff. Uh, it's A Blaze in the Northern Sky, if you ask me, by the way. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, me and Marco, we started like syncing uh, really well. Uh, we had lots of common, even though we come from a bit of our different backgrounds, musically speaking. But uh, yeah, I guess that kind of stuck. And uh, at some point we started talking about, hey, maybe we should do something together. And we agreed, but we didn't have any idea what that could be. We really didn't have any idea whether it's going to be even metal music. But uh, somehow it started to go into the doom direction at some point. I'm glad that it did because uh, I must say your second album, Ashes Coalesce, is an excellent listen, especially in these times. Now, let's talk about it a little more. In an interview, you said that this album was inspired by a life event. <clears throat> Do you mind uh, sharing what that event was? Um, yeah. I've been kind of a bit hesitant to really open it up too much, but I guess it doesn't uh, harm that much. Uh, my father had a bad case of Parkinson's disease, and uh, we've been, uh, we had to follow kind of the decline of his... Uh, <clears throat> um, mental and physical health for seven, eight years or so. So uh, he passed away last year, sadly. But um, 
I guess that's the main inspiration for me, seeing kind of in slow motion the decline of a wonderful human being. And of course, when it happens in such a slow pace, you have lots of time to think about it. So I'd say Ashes Coalesce is my kind of um, way of maybe dealing with things in a way that it has kind of acceptance. It has kind of fear of what's coming next. Uh, It has these kind of emotions put into the musical form. Also rage and being annoyed and disappointed by myself, etc. You know? So yeah, it's definitely inspired by everything around that in uh, all perspectives, basically. Perspective of um, the one who is ill and uh, people around him. So family and me, yeah. Our deepest condolences uh, on hearing that. Thank you. Um, having said <coughs> that, what was the initial blueprint of sorts for this record? Was it uh, always meant to be this uh, sort of cathartic release to what you experienced? Or what did you want to achieve with this album as such? I think it was from the get-go, the plan, the blueprint. Uh, with the first album, we didn't have such a blueprint or a kind of conceptual idea around it. Uh, we did, uh, of course, have some, but not this strong. So when we finished and released the uh, Scars Across, uh, I was really deeply dealing the situation. Uh, so for me, it was kind of the only way to go. Okay. So, you know, we believe that the second album is one uh, where, you know, the musician sets out to perfect his or her sound and also to kind of avoid the sophomore sound. Um, is this that something that applies to Ashes Colossus too? <laughs> I want to say no, <laughs> but who knows? <clears throat> of course, when you do the first album, it's combination of ideas from probably years back, right? Um, and the second album is something that you already know. You've set, set the tone and the kind of feel of the band. So you kind of already know what you want to go or where do you don't want to go. So in that sense, I think most second albums from any band are the kind of crystallized form of the vision. Sure. Yes. But that being said, it will be really sad to kind of think that this is it. This is the quintessential uh, kind of convocation or this is the peak <laughs> of the of band. And now we have to kind of start to think about what the hell, what next? <laughs> we certainly hope. We certainly yeah. not. I mean, uh, I still remember getting the promo copy for your first album, Scars Across, uh, a few years back, right? And it was quite well received across the world. So did you feel any <coughs> pressure of, you know, expectations of sort now going into, you know, album two? 
Uh, no. To be really honest, no. Uh, when I started doing the first first uh, song, I guess it was the uh, the absence of grief. Uh, <clears throat> when it was nearly finished, I kind of knew already what I want to do with the album, and I knew that it will be good. It will be, I hope, really good. So in that sense, I kind of stripped all the pressure from the process because I had such a clear uh, way where I wanted to go with the album. And even if the album didn't uh, kind of... Uh, wasn't that well received that the Ashes Coles now has, even if it would be disappointed, uh, disappointment for some people, I wouldn't care. Okay. Um, uh, not sounding like an arrogance, mm -hmm. but in a way, it was such a kind of important album for me because of reasons I previously, you know, stated. So I kind of needed to do it the way it came out. So. I'm of course really happy that it it has been really well received, but I kind of didn't have that much pressure outside pressure. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, just taking off from your last sentence, right? I mean, uh, did you know the accolade that you're receiving now for the album, right? Uh, Ashes Coles. Are you surprised by it? I mean, you know, right now you have two guys from Bombay, India, talking to you about it. I mean. Why do you think this album has resonated with so many people? Uh, first of all, it's been absolutely crazy to see how well it has been received. And I'm really, really grateful for that. And kind of, I don't know, I don't know what to say, but I'm just really grateful that it has resonated for people. Uh, because, of course, when you do something with your heart, you're always a bit worried that maybe people don't understand it. Maybe people don't get it. And even if I, I'd say, like, I don't care if that will be the case. But, of course, I want it to kind of people to understand and have the same feeling that I do, naturally. So, <clears throat> I want to say it's the... Well, one thing is that Marco is crazy with the vocals, so that has to resonate for someone. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think it's a good combination of different like uh, landscapes of sounds and textures. So if people give it a time, I'm pretty sure they will find something to kind of uh, emotionally grasp with it i think it's a really emotional and heavy album so there's lots of things you can like i mean that uh, that does completely make sense yeah i mean uh, personally for me i loved the uh, ambience and atmosphere that this that these songs kind of create it at one end it helped calm me down and at the other end it it's something that manages to hold my attention to, uh, which is unlike a lot of other Doom acts and Doom albums that you're hearing these days as such, where it's just repeating riffs or doing things for I don't know what reason. 
but I think that's right. The the emotional aspect of this record is something that really uh, touched me here too. Also, there's constant movement in all the songs, and the pacing I think is extremely <coughs> spot on. Um, what was the approach really towards writing this uh, particular album and all the songs? Are these kind of the elements that you were uh, thinking of too as a musician? <laughs> Probably yes. I, I think I've kind of found my way of songwriting some years ago. Um, so it's something that probably won't change in the future a lot. But uh, you're right about the movement part. Um, I really kind of, um, even if the music is pretty like um, somber and bleak, it has to be interesting somehow. So even if there will be like five minutes of repetition of some riff, at least I feel that it needs to have some kind of like progression maybe, or if so that it evolves in to somewhere, you know what I mean? Like variation of some uh, theme or chord progression or melody or something like that. So I don't think like, at least I don't think that music should be just repetition. Uh, of course, there are like uh, some bands that I enjoy that has kind of perfected the kind of non-movement thing, uh, especially in the like funeral doom genre, however you pronounce that. Um, but it's a conscious decision for those bands to not have any movement, to be and sound dead in a way. But that wasn't the route for us. I want things to evolve. And um, I've always been the guy who likes the longest song of any album. <laughs> hey, me too. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I think like the long, long uh, songs give so much space to evolve into something. So they're always... Well, not always, but most of the time they are the best songs of the album, anyway. <laughs> okay. You know, I'd like to discuss the last song on this uh, album, uh, Portal Closed. It's yeah, sure. very sonically different from the first three songs. Of course, that's uh, because there's no vocals on it. But uh, beyond that, I also felt it was more melodic. And I don't know if this is the right word to use, but I felt also that it was a bit softer. Um, mm -hmm. What's this particular song about, and why choose to end the album in this manner? You're right. It is uh, softer, in a way. I think it was the last song I wrote for the album. So previously, I finished the Meritorize and uh, uh, I don't even remember our song names. Misery Form, right? Yeah. You know, I still think the songs with the like working names, not the real names. Uh, but yeah, at that that point, we finished so much like super intense and heavy and chaotic stuff there. So I kind of wanted to mellow it down, really. And um, at first, I wrote it as a kind of 
third song so there will be something after that but i listened to it many times and it always felt like um this is the way to go it's mellow it's it kind of represents some kind of acceptance for me and i wanted things to end beautifully uh, I guess there's nothing, nothing more behind that song. Expect, except that uh, I experimented with some like organs and different kind of sounds, and I listened lots of like movie soundtracks at the time. Mm-hmm. So I think like some people might really find the source of inspiration for the synth <laughs> part. I'm not telling you that, but <laughs> it should be pretty evident. Yeah. Let's hope it's not too evident. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's shift a bit to talk about the artwork. I understand that you are responsible for it, just like the first album. Uh, can you explain what, what you were going for with this, uh, with the art that we see? <clears throat> yeah, sure. Um, uh, artwork generally is pretty hard for me because... I don't draw that often. Uh, and my background is like uh, oil colors. But nowadays I have, haven't touched like real oil colors in years because it's too messy and I will need some space to uh, paint with those. Uh, so I've switched to digital world, digital painting. But I really do it too rarely. So um, I kind of wanted to like always find some angle that is not like um, in every album cover art and I wanted it to represent the music. So I'm not actually really sure about the thought process, but I do know that I wanted to take lots of inspiration from like a... um, old renaissance art masters you know Caravaggio and uh, painters like that mm-hmm. uh, so it needed to have humans uh, it needed to have a certain like color palette and kind of visible brush strokes that was kind of what I start, I knew I wanted to do but then the subject itself was really like oh, I, I don't know. I probably thought about it for months or so. I had no idea what I should be doing. But then at some point, I just kind of started sketching something out and uh, came up with this idea of like a kind of paradoxal thing of going towards the light or happiness or whatever. And then something dragging you down. And that's basically like the main idea of the cover artwork. It's not that deep. It's not that super profound. It's just like um, trying to get to the good side or light side or acceptance or yeah. But then there's, of course, things that are hindering you. The thing about the cover is that it's up to you to decide whether are you being dragged from the light 
or prevent it to go into the light. I think it's up to you. Mm, uh, glass half empty or glass half full? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we've reached uh, the part of the interview where we ask you the toughest question of the interview so far. Um, oh, no. We'd like to play a song from Ashes Coalesce. Uh, which one should we play and why? How much do you have time? Oh, it's a, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, we do. I mean, you can, well, you can actually, pick yeah. the longest one. You, you can pick the longest song if you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instantly when I started thinking, how much do you have time? I remember they're all pretty much the same length anyway, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the absence of grief. Okay, and why that track? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Right now, it kind of feels it's not the probably the best track because they're so different in a way. But I guess that's something I would like every people in the world here. I'm really proud of that track, so maybe that's a good reason enough. <laughs> here it is. Here's absence of grief.
Laurie, let's be frank here. Is it easier to write and compose as a duo? As opposed to? Like saying a four-piece or five-piece band, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, oh. I've kind of wanted to play in bands, and I've been playing with my friends <clears throat> at a rehearsal place, but it, I always come back to the, like, doing things in a smaller group or alone uh i kind of like honestly think of going back to uh like five piece band where everyone wants to do their own thing and it's compromise after compromise so yes definitely yes it's easier okay um you mentioned all the other projects and yes you are part of several projects as such including a black metal band as well i believe so the question really is, uh, what's the mindset that you need to be in for Convocation? And how's that different from the other projects you're part of? At least for now, I think Convocation comes maybe the easiest for me because it allows such an, uh, like lush and melodic stuff as well as really like crunchy <laughs> uh, and slow things. I think it allows me to do a lot. So I feel like, okay, let's do something with the Hammond organ or a church organ or strings or choir or something like that. I think, or just play with some like nice lush guitar melodies. I can do that. So with maybe other bands, uh, I'm not like super strict, but I'm more strict. So for example, like, uh, Desolate Shrine, I kind of want to keep the core of things a bit more firm and I don't want it to go into like uh, really different directions. I want to keep it in some place. I don't want to kind of start adding like weird elements or too melodic things. But with Convocation, I, I grant myself more freedom. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Convocation generally doesn't play live a lot. What's the aversion, really? Is it finding session musicians? Mm. Well, I don't like playing live. <laughs> so I've never liked it. But I've been doing it a few times or so. But um, one thing is the live mus musicians. Okay, Helsinki is filled with awesome people with awesome mindset and uh, really skilled, skilled players. So uh, now finding the live uh, lineup for uh, Killtown Deathfest was pretty easy. I already knew who to ask and who would like to play if we'd ever play. So it was just like, oh, I want to play guitar. Yeah, sure. I want to play bass. Yeah, sure. Want to play another guitar. Yeah, of course. Uh, so that was really easy. The only problem was to find a good keyboard player because, to be frank, I don't know much keyboard players. But uh, Margo had some contacts. And uh, we met once, really funny guy, really awesome guy, has kind of similar uh, background in music than I do. So, um, yeah, this time it was pretty easy. 
but of course because it's not like steady lineup it's really hard to start um, yeah it's been it's a bit of a pain in the ass to start like getting the rehearsals going and uh, all those guys play in different bands and they have lives of their own and stuff like that so uh, maybe the worst part is to trying to teach other people your songs because, I completely agree yeah <laughs> because the thing is I, I really like um I played those songs when I did them and recorded them but after that I haven't really played them why should I so <laughs> I kind of have to relearn them first and I don't remember what's going on in there so <laughs> yeah but yeah now we decided to play in Killtown because Marco kind of just said that hey we're playing in Killtown I was like okay I guess so so it was a bit of a surprise for me but yeah I hope it's a pleasant surprise of course the Killtown now is uh, moved to the next year so we have plenty of time to perfect our act hopefully <laughs> yeah and plus you get a chance to see quite a lot of pretty big names too like a whole mix yeah the lineup is pretty stellar yeah killtown is my uh definitely my uh favorite festival in the world uh, i've been visiting killtown uh, i guess five times or so uh i always enjoyed it it's it's awesome festival so if we had to play somewhere that would be the place um you know i have to ask you this uh while trying to set this interview up you told us that uh, you were in a cottage uh, without any internet connectivity as such i'm assuming this is something you usually do because you were so frank about it would you mind sharing what that's about <laughs> yeah sure <clears throat> yeah uh i guess it's a really finished way to kind of spend your summer in the cottage somewhere because i live in a city uh my uh, mother-in-law has a small island in the middle of the Finland. It's the island. It's I think something like fifty to sixty meters, so it's really small. Uh, it has a kind of a sauna. Of course, it has sauna. Uh, a main cottage, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Outdoor toilet. Uh, it's it's a way of getting away with uh, work and uh, city. Uh, I think it's really nice to dip into the really ascetic life. So if you want warmth, you need to chop trees and uh, warm up the place. And if you need water, you need to carry it from the lake and stuff like that. So it's a different experience, but I think it's really nice because it gives you a different perspective of life for a while. Yeah, to- totally. I mean, I, I'm not sure how I would exactly survive in an environment like that. <laughs> yeah, it's always when we get there, it's always a kind of a mystery to me too. But you get really used to it for a while. And then it, it, you kind of uh, come up with these like daily ret- routines. You wake up late and then do some coffee 
then you chop some woods and then you do some like uh, draw something or do some like uh, reading and then you're like okay yeah i guess we need to go fishing and eat something and okay take a nap and then uh warm up the sauna and and then look at the sunset and go to sleep and you just repeat that routine it's really <laughs> really relaxing but of course i'm like always happy to be back in city yeah after after a while <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure right so here's a final question and i'm sure this comes up in a lot of like trivia and things like that uh, but a statistic i came across recently is that finland has the highest number of metal bands mm-hmm. per capita why do you think is that's the case i mean is it the air the water the food i mean or something like you know you're saying about going to the cottage for the summer <laughs> i think it, that's metal yeah <laughs> that is metal actually true that's the most <laughs> metal thing <laughs> yeah you get to swing the x x and <laughs> chop some boots and like <laughs> but yeah i think it has to do something with the kind of finnish mentality to be honest i'm not really sure if it differs that much from other nordic countries like uh, sweden and norway and iceland which of course have lots of metal bands too per capita but uh one theory is that that because we live in uh, north uh we have like a six months of summer or summer kind of weather it's raining now and uh, windy but anyway and then we suddenly have six months of darkness so that really affects your mind and when i was younger i was just yeah like happy that that's cool we have lots of darkness that's metal but now when i'm getting older i just cannot handle it anymore because it's it affects your brain chemistry and uh we have really high suicide rates during those months and to be honest i don't like it anymore at all it's depressing as fuck so i guess you need some kind of outlet for that so probably weather and the perpetual darkness and some kind of craziness we tend to have mm. and and yeah i guess it's been in our culture also for a long time it's not something that we really think that much that's how it's been yeah. this is a completely different analogy from metal as such i'm going to be talking about formula <laughs> one as such because this is something i learned from a interview mika hakkinen had given a long time back about this yeah. concept of sisu yeah i'm saying that right yes that's like this uh, determination or tenacity as such grit bravery is that is that metal yes it <laughs> it definitely is and uh, i'm not sure how much we have sisu as a society nowadays i think i'd like to think we have that a lot but of course like um Uh, when we live in a swamp filled with nothing but mosquitoes and it's cold and dark you need to have some like a persever- perseverance <laughs> to survive 
So I guess that's the basis of like the Sisu mindset. And uh, we talk a lot about Sisu in Finland. Perkele, Finnish Sisu. So I guess that's also something that has been like culturally uh, really uh, embedded into us. So it's it's just about like not giving up and uh, fighting against odds and doing things differently and like you want to do with that mind. It's it's that mindset. And I think it's a really important factor for the like uh, why we have such uh, many metal bands. So yeah, Mika Hakkinen is probably pretty on the nose. <laughs> Lovely. On that note, Lauri, thank you so much for your time. This has been an absolute pleasure of talking to you. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Imagine having to spend a summer away from the city. It sounds super cool, right? Super idyllic. But of course, in the lockdown, I'd fucking need a stable internet connection no matter where I am. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it seems like a very idyllic thing to do. And I think the last six odd months has kind of prepped me for it. But uh, yeah, we're city boys, right, Armesh? <laughs> so I don't know how we'd like, kind of manage. Uh, hey, even, yeah, if, even if you take us out of the city for like to be able to do even this podcast <laughs> to do Haunts Up, we'll still need an internet connection. Imagine we'd have to record like tapes and send each other. <laughs> Old school as fuck. Let's try yeah. that one time. <laughs> but by the time it reaches your house, I don't know, three episodes will be released by then. <laughs> ah, strange, 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 stupid times. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the next two episodes continue our doomed artist showcase as such. And yeah, if you enjoy the genre, you've surely heard of Bellwitch and Aerial Ruin. Yeah, they, wow. they put out... Uh killer collaborative album and uh, yeah i mean velvich again i think a band that created a lot of buzz with their uh, solo i mean with their album mirror reaper right uh, yeah a lot of people talked about that uh, yeah but and it how basically do you... became the trendsetter for all doom album covers oh yeah <laughs> oh man that 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 album cover and especially Mariush who did the album cover yeah he, he did the he's done a lot of work recently uh, I think the scary guy is kind of like his signature of sorts mm. anyways let's not get ahead of ourselves that's coming up next week and yes with that that's all the time on this episode you know where to find us we are at hauntsuppod.com and if you're on the twitter machine reach out to us at hauntsuppod as always I'm at Asmawani and I'm at Trent Crusher. On's up. On's up, guys. <laughs>